Hello. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Wandering Into Wellness. Here we are, actually in the wellness zone. Gosh, it's so beautiful. We spent the last half hour gushing about Layla's house. <laughs> what? Anyway, so yeah. Hopefully you can hear the lovely sound of the birds and the water and you'll get the vibe of the beauty of mm. the place that we are in. But here we are today with Layla. Um, and Layla is a postpartum doula and a five elements acupuncturist and a mum of three. And we are going to be talking about that whole journey from pregnancy into postpartum and motherhood and that whole transition mm. and what it means and all the far reaching effects that that has on everything in your life really. Mm. Um, and me and you kind of had a little chat before. Um, and. It just felt such a, it felt really synergistic. It felt like our views on these things are really similar. Um, but you had a particularly interesting journey into getting to work in this area. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you came to set up your business and your experiences as a mum in that postnatal period? Yeah, so I had my first two babies in Berlin and in Germany and uh, Without realizing what I was experiencing or, or going through, I um, did this period after birth that they call Wochenbed, which is 40 days after after birth that you are really, really supported in um, in terms of a, a midwife um, who would visit you every day for the first really as long as you need is the contract. So, you know, I saw her maybe for the first 10 days every day she would come into the house. And then, you know, she's there on the phone, she's there to support you. Is she part of the medical system yeah. standardly? So that's not something where you have to go finding these people. They're that just... ain't nothing fancy. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. It is changing now in, in Berlin, talking to midwives and things there. It's quite hard because they're self-employed um, okay. and not paid that well. But that is the system. Okay. That is the system. Um, and sometimes, if you're really lucky, you'll get somebody who you've also had uh, well, no, I had my, my midwife as well through through my pregnancy as well. So I knew her and I had a relationship with mm. her. Sometimes they'll join you in birth as well, or sometimes you'll have someone separate, but then she'll visit you. Um, so yeah, they say 10 days in your bed, 10 days around your bed, 10 days around your home, and then 10 days around your neighborhood. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I had that um, kind of, without really being aware of what I was doing to an extent, I was just in the system for my first two two kids. So when you came across that system first, did you only find out that that was going to happen when you were in your pregnancy already? Or had you like done a lot of investigation around it or no? I hadn't done a lot of investigation. I did know I had a good friend who... Um, who said birth here is great. Yeah, come on. <laughs> birth in uh, Berlin. Yeah. Uh, so she had had a, a baby uh, in Germany. And uh, so I did know that there was, a, you know, w there was going to be more support. Um, but I think now looking back, it was more coming back here. I didn't realize how little support mm. there was here. You know, it was, you don't have kids. It, it's not so much on your radar, what you need or what you, you might, what you might need. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I did go into it just kind of doing kind of what behind. I was told. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so when you're like, as a, an Irish woman living in Berlin, like you're obviously you're culturally experiencing that differently mm. did you kind of think oh well this is just how they do it here or were you like this should be for everyone or like what was like mm. what was your feeling when you're in it like did a bit of both i think because I, I i was i 
can't remember now. I think I probably finished my first training as an acupuncturist at that point. And okay. within Chinese medicine, it's a, a very important part of, of, of their practices around, around uh, caring and health for, for women. So I was aware that this was maybe not just in Germany. But because it's so part of the system, and they have quite a lot of really good systems in Germany for stuff, yeah, I don't know how much I analyzed it really. It's, it's, it's like that, know. of course the trains come on time thing, yeah. Yeah, a little <laughs> yeah. bit. You yeah. Know, yeah. Why would happens. it be done differently? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, of course you don't pay for your you know, children to go to, to the pediatrician, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so there was a little bit of that, but talking then to people here, you know, um, having babies around the same time, you could see a, a real difference in that. Um, and yeah, I was very much then kind of thinking, yes, this should be for more than just and, the Germans. And, and so we, <laughs> and so we don't think of the Germans as a super touchy feely race, right? Mm. And I know that's like definitely a misperception. Mm. Uh, but culturally, can you, do, do, like, there's there's still a thing, right? There is a cultural stereotype that's somewhat true in terms of, I mean, Ireland is the, the Ireland of the welcomes, whatever. Mm. Do you know, like, that you'd expect that almost to be here before yeah. it was there. Why, do you know mm. why, or had you, do you want to, like, why, why yeah. is that part of the German system not here? This is, is it? the gazillion dollar question okay, right, in terms okay. of not just in Germany, but in terms of the West and mm. how we've lost this, this, this way of caring for women postpartum, because it does exist. It's not, and this is what then I went on to discover and study and research, having had my third kid in Ireland and not had any of that and just been kind of dropped off cliff once, essentially once, once you have your baby, is that it exists really worldwide. Like the studies, the study that I did with a woman called Julia Jones in Australia, um, and she's found examples of it in over 200 cultures around the world. Wow. And it is so similar what everybody does like they might feed you different foods you know depending on where you're from or, or whatever it is and there's different maybe yeah societal things around it but when you kind of pull that away it is so similar what is being done all around the world so in in yeah what it, what happens in germany has somehow it, it's cultures looking at what women need after mm -hmm. birth and responding to that intuitively almost um and i wonder is there I wonder, is there like an efficiency, efficiency thing mm, as well? To getting them like back to... Like in Germany, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. they do things that work, that make sense. That's and if it. you look after mothers postnatally, they're going to be feeling better, they're going to have less immune system problems, they're going to raise their children better, they're going to get back into the workplace and be more effective quicker. It's just, it's Absolutely. practical, right? I, that was, yeah, that's the other thing I forgot to say. <laughs> but that is exactly it. I think it's, it's, it's not some touchy-feely, you know, it is in the experience of it. It's very womb-like, it's very caring, but it's super practical and it's super, you know, efficient, as you say. Do you know what I mean? It's going to cost the health service way less mm. for a woman to be cared for by another woman, mostly. Uh, it doesn't have to be, but, you know, that's the way it tends to be. Uh, for 40 days after birth and to be on call on the phone if she has a question about breastfeeding or whatever so that you don't have to give her antibiotics for mastitis so that you don't have to treat her for postnatal depression for a whole host of autoimmune diseases for all of that for the rest of her life. like the studies now this is outside of any alternative health my my sister-in-law works in the nhs as a, a women's health pelvic physio quite oh. like elaine who i think you had on as well uh, on the podcast and and she says now that there's 
really interesting studies showing the impact on uh, menopause for women who aren't cared for, and this is within the pelvic health realm, correctly after birth or have certain things um, looked after right down the line to menopause. Fascinating. But so it's, I mean, and when I do... Ching, you know, it's yeah. it, it just makes that, sense. Like, logical... And, you know, and I think it's the same way too. When I did training in um, menstrual health practices mm. and how we approach our menstruation and what we use during that time and how we plan our month around that stuff, there's loads of studies that show that if you don't connect with your menstruation and look after yourself and your body during your menstruation that it comes back in menopause mm. in myriad yeah, ways so it totally makes sense mm. i mean it's looking at the whole of womb life isn't it yeah. it's not just going your womb life in terms of the system even mm. ends just when the baby pops out it's like you know you yeah. might have another baby you might have another another baby you know that could go on for a while and then you've mm. got menopause afterwards and you know when you're looking at things like hysterectomies or prolapses or any of those stuff mm. those things Apart from being, you know, traumatic for the woman, it's expensive mm. for the state, and the care yeah. for that is expensive. And prevention is always better than yeah. cure. In this, yeah. you know, just even from a financial point of view, it makes sense. Mm. Yeah. I remember hearing uh, when Leah Varadkar was Minister for Health. What's that? It's like six or seven years ago, maybe, or longer. Uh, him saying that we are moving towards a preventative healthcare model, and I was mm. like, oh, exciting. <laughs> what happened like nada. like yeah. it's the same kind of triaging approach to mm. everything it's like Gah! like this constant firefighting kind mm. of panic mode yeah it's quite strange that like i don't know it, it, it that we what i find really weird is that like for some reason in our like so in, in germany they have like the commission e right so they have that you know the thing where it looks at like what naturopathic or nutritional herbal interventions have grounding and basis in mm. evidence-based science i know fine whatever but they look at them and then they adopt them. They're like, cool, the vitamin E's been shown to this, marshmallow's been shown to this, pepperin's been shown to this, fenugreek's been to this. And so they just use them. And mm. so you can get them prescribed or you can buy them in a, like in one of their many versions of health food store pharmacy things mm. that I don't really fully understand because there's like I 15 types. I still have been there it's, for <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I, yeah. like, I went on like a few field trips. I was like, I, what am I in now? I don't yeah. Um, But yeah, so like, it's just, it's so strange that when that is there and accepted, and those are humans mm. and those are scientists, that Ireland for some reason decides we've got a better version of what the science is here it's like no of course we don't mm. but we're playing catch-up mm. so catch up and follow the people who are doing it and doing it well and doing it in a, a like that kind of idea of medically led compassion like it makes and we would jane uyger we had on the podcast before who like did a phd in compassion medicine and you know all of the studies show that <clears throat> it helps in the long life you know life expectancy in terms of like follow-up care like mm. repeat infection all that sort of stuff I, it's kind of confounding because it's it's kind of smacks of like for like some sort of bizarre belief system that mm. we just don't do it yeah. and it's maddening yeah i yeah it, it's such a big question i i did an um a, an interview with dominic mcmullen for image magazine online and she was writing about postpartum care in ireland and she was asked she asked me the same question what is it about ireland and it's, it to be fair it's not just ireland you know it's mm. the uk it's the us it's canada it's, it's many many places um what is it about our system that has kind of lost that or dropped the ball or is doing this firefighting and it's it's a huge question and you, it, it gets into you know a whole you know how we would treat women in general and within the history of you know ireland i think it really does have to look at you know the value that we put on a woman versus a, 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 
uh, you know, the child. And we really do, you know, respect, okay. you know, I, when we're pregnant, we're really looked after and really cared for in the Irish system. And I experienced that. I spent three months in hospital with my third pregnancy and in the public system. And the care was extraordinary, really extraordinary. Um, and but there's something then there's a dissonance there that when we give birth the, the emphasis shifts suddenly you're, you're like back in the bed and they're like oh, baby is born yeah. cool let's look after this thing yeah and mm. it, it shifts so fast um and it becomes i think the other thing about it is we somehow started pathologizing our the experience after birth as well so really natural experiences that i get people women contacting me from posts or whatever that i've done on instagram or um, and, and saying, I just thought I've been Googling what's been wrong with me for months and months and months. And mm. I'm now discovering there's nothing wrong with me, that actually this is a natural process and it's a natural, mm. you know, um, cycle, um, except for the fact that it shouldn't be so hard and shouldn't be so difficult because we're not supporting the women within it. Um, so instead we pathologize it and say, you know, you've got anxiety, you've got, you know, postpartum depression, you've mm. got whatever it is. Um, and, and, yeah. and so, like, so as a man, I'm not a father because there will be some male non-fathers listening to this, I hope at some point. Um, yeah. <laughs> All two of you, please more than two of you. Um, but I'd be really interested to know, like, wh why, why do you think women fall into that state of, let's say, I know, to use the pathology description, <clears throat> but postpartum depression, like, what is it that leads to that? Internally, I know externally we're saying they're not supported, but mm. internally, what's the like? What's the what's the process? Mm. Such a good question, and it's a huge question. And I, I'm a, I'm coming across and you know working out the answer, you know, at the moment. But what I think it is, and what I've just signed up to do a year-long study on uh, a, a course on is this idea of matrescence and mm. this idea of a woman. Um, this becoming a mother and it's not the only rite of passage so you don't have to be a mother to experience this a, a transition like this but when you become a mother it's it's a huge transition in your life and you know we all have transitions throughout our lives and 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 this is one of them that is a fundamental you know shift and transition of a woman as they you know become a mother on every level and the there's a, a professor in Columbia University in the States now called Dr. Arlia Pan and she's done a huge amount of work and study on it and they look at it as a you know a complete tran transformation of a woman on a you know psychological a physical a social an economic a spiritual on every level okay, and so a woman is going through that transition and that 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 journey um, without any help and without any words for it and without any framework for it mm. so it's it's not that i don't think anyway i don't know if there's any answers to this as of yet but there's studies going on at the moment that it's not that if you're supported in your postpartum that you won't have all these emotions yeah, and these okay. struggles yeah. but instead of you know them just being in free fall with it um until they hit rock bottom which is all of the stuff that we see and the highest you know um killer in women under um you know, postpartum up to 18 months is suicide in most of the Western world, in New Zealand, Australia, UK, Ireland. It's, it's the highest, you know, um, killer of women in the first 18 months. That's crazy. Uh, which is crazy. It's a shocking statistic. Mm -hmm. um, so, really 
you know, I think it's it's the fact that we're not supporting women mm. in that transition mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is what's what's um, causing all of those those issues. But I do think we have a transition and a change. I don't know how you felt when you gave birth, but there's a change in in your outlook and your identity and who you were before, and now you're a mother as well. And there's all the ideas of what a mother should be, and then there's all you know. A successful woman and achieving and all yeah. of that, and we're trying to work all of that out. It's a slightly kind of schizophrenic <coughs> thing on this, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. A, the 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 work I'm doing is with a lady called Amy Taylor Kabatz at the moment, who we were talking earlier, saying you know Australia seems to be where know. a lot of this is coming out. She's Australian, but she talks about an inner split. So you have this mm. split in you um, after birth, and it's trying to kind of navigate that. Mm. I, I guess think that's, that's there, really interesting. There's so yeah. many levels to it i mean even when you're thinking about that transition thing you and you were talking about <laughs> burns are just coming in on you when you're thinking about you know the difference between support and not support it what came to me was i've been doing a lot of reading recently um, and listening to podcasts and stuff coming up in books about ayahuasca ceremonies and mm. the difference between if someone took ayahuasca on their own and then went through mm. all the stuff that comes up without anyone holding that space <laughs> and there to guide them and to tell them it was okay and help them to interpret and make sure they were okay if they were being sick or you know let them know mm. and someone being held in a sacred space by someone who was a leader who had been through it before who knew what was happening and allowing the same feelings would come up you know they're still going through these you know traumatic reliving of fears and transition and uh, like looking at those hard things but to do it when you're supported and you're being held and guided by someone who knows and who's been there before versus being on your own mm. i mean the outcome is vastly different yeah. it's like free falling versus growing exactly right? and i think it's like that isn't it and mm. you know when you become a mum it's like you know that thing of the split it's like it's, it's even more than just one split. I mean, you're split because now your heart is outside of your body in your kid. So you've got your heart and then you've got this living, beating heart that has gone away from you and you're literally split into you and them and you're constantly trying to go, my needs, their needs. Are we the same? I don't know. We've been the same. Now we're not the same. When do we stop being the same? When is that period coming? And then we also have, I'm a mother, I'm a partner, you know, I'm maybe a business owner and I'm also my own person. And, and how do I marry all of those elements? Because all we have is this template that we've seen in a million different movies or books of how to be a good wife yeah. and a good mother and to do yeah. the right thing and to be a good girl. And sometimes those things, you know, they inhibit us massively. And, and if you got to the point of being pregnant and hadn't done a heck of a lot of inner work so that you were, you know, recognizing your self-worth and your value based on internal mm -hmm. kind of whatever barometers, as opposed to whatever the outside world is telling you. I mean, that's incredibly, that's like a calamity. I mean, that really is, that's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Yeah. To like, to ask that woman then to kind of like, find yourself, understand your value, understand all the values of all the people around you, how to mesh those relationships together, how to make everyone else happy with each other, how to like be that kind of like that matriarchal figure as well because you suddenly just kind of are mm. like whether you like it or not like and you, feed a baby every two hours <laughs> and have no sleep yeah. you know at your most vulnerable time yeah. and coming to yourself and 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 also the the thing about postpartum is that there's 
you're suddenly being made to make all these decisions that you're not trained to make. I mean, that's what I really felt. Even though I had worked with babies for years before I had my own baby, my baby was actually nothing like any of the babies that I had ever worked with, so that was that. No um, template. Yeah, there was no <laughs> template there. But you, every choice that you're making, like, do I put them for a nap now? If I let them sleep through this nap, yeah. does that mean they're going to sleep worse at night? Do I wake them? Does that mean I'm making them go into a habit of wakefulness? You know, do I feed them before six months because they happen to be sitting up and they happen to be reaching for food yeah. and they happen to be gone through those reflexes? or do I wait because it's going to make their gut better you're just making those decisions in a vacuum on your own and there's there's just you just going and yeah. everyone is going to have a consequence that you're going to have to live through you mm. know and it's really hard to do that and to feel strong enough to do that when you're really sleep deprived and really vulnerable and, and probably on your own that's the reality yeah I think what makes it even harder those decisions are really hard and the decisions you make for baby number one won't be the same for yeah. baby so you have to do it all again you have to reinvent the wheel based on a whole new human being but it, it it's about being having instincts around it mm -hmm. and i think another issue that we have um in a lot of realms of our lives i think but particularly it comes to the fore with with postpartum is that we're trained or taught now to, to, to Google it, to read the, book, the sleep training book or this expert or that expert or this mm. routine or, or, you know, mm. dairy, no dairy, whatever it is, um, uh, rather than sitting with our baby and saying, no, I know my baby, I know that he needs to sleep for another hour now or I know that she needs whatever. And so many mums that I work with, a lot of the work is just kind of sparking that instinct okay. and in, in, intuition and the confidence in themselves to do it rather than the tsunami of often really well-meaning advice yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. experts and, and, and voices that are at your fingertips at three in the morning. And so know? how do you teach instinct? You, you, you teach confidence, you don't okay. teach confidence, yeah, yeah, but you, yeah, yeah. You, you, you build Trust, a woman's self-trust trust, self trust okay, and yeah. self-confidence mm. and you know asking questions of like but what do you what do you think your baby needs you know and often like that's quite a revelation, a revelation. confronting as well though right and quite a confronting like, I but like, well know. i don't know that's you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and often if you're working as a doula you know it, it what the mother wants is you to say it's this routine that you really need or mm. you know it's mm. it's this but actually what is so much more empowering and so much you know giving of of strength to 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 a new mom is saying but let's take a look at what you think your baby needs right now do you think it has a intolerance to something or do you think that maybe yeah. it's just having a growing spurt or you know let, let's sit and think about it for a minute and you know trust your own instincts on it or do you really want to do that routine or does that not feel right to you mm. or do you feel you really do need that structure or you know, um, and, and do, do you ever see that? those instincts and intuitions going in a, a the not right direction and have to correct? And how do you, how do you do that without ruining that kind of self trust thing? I presume that must come up. Well, there's an amazing book called What Mothers Do, especially when it looks like nothing, by okay. a woman called Naomi Stavin, and she talks about this an awful lot. And she says the best place for a woman to learn is from a knowing nothing, and b from a place of making mistakes, because that's how we learn. So you make a mistake and babies are a lot more robust than they look. We can make a mistake and they'll be fine. You know, we can stretch their nap or cut their nap or 
they'll be okay, mm. you know. And evolution has evolved, and it's meant for us to kind of trial and error, to try something out and say, okay, that doesn't quite work, or that's working for now, but now it's changed. And, you know, so, and also, a moment's going to know really if it is working or not, if she sits long enough with herself. So mm. it's not my job to say, I think that's not really great for your baby because also what's great often for the baby is what's great for her you know and I might need you know a routine you know that's quite strict and structured whereas she might just need to you know be in a, in a kind of a, a messy womb and you know let everything go go belly up for a while or you know I might need to, to bottle feed and she might need to breastfeed or whatever it is so it's it's uh, it's not a one-size fits all thing but it's also we're meant to make mistakes we're meant to 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 learn by trial and error mm. i think i think yeah. what i think and what's really interesting listening to that is what a lot of the work that i've been doing recently in you know kind of therapy and exploring different things about my past is really identifying clearly for myself that as a woman you know as myself but also i think this is a general thing for lots of women we've grown up learning to be the people pleasers in the household mm -hmm. and to make everyone around us feel okay and to put their needs like before. Like a <laughs> 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 Yes, you're like, I know. Uh, to put their needs before ourselves to the point where we actually aren't able to separate is this my need or is this the need of the people around me? And mm. it's something that I've really worked on realizing in the last six months of often my knowing or what I thought was my knowing about an instinct of something was my instinct for what's going to be best for the general group of people around me, not necessarily what's going to be best for me. And so the power that you're giving women in that teaching in that most vulnerable time is to go, hey, let's learn how to find out what is your need and what mm -hmm. is your voice that isn't the voice of your baby, that isn't the voice of your partner, that isn't the voice of your midwife or the healthcare worker that's coming in and telling yeah. you your baby's underweight or any of these things. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, let's learn to identify where is your voice in all of this. And that's what we need as a mom is, mm. you know, there are so many moments when you're making decisions that are going to make you, you know, it can make you an outcast or make people really question what you're doing. And you need to be able to hold fast to the truth of, I made this decision with the best of my knowledge at that moment, thinking that that was the right decision at that time. And that's a really, really hard thing to do, you know, when you're faced with all these different things and when you're faced with social media showing you this picture-perfect image that you're yeah. constantly shown like 20, 100 times a day. It's hard to stay in your own compass mm. then at that time. Yeah, yeah, I, it, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, even outside of motherhood, I think particularly with social media and everything, to kind of keep keep that anchor of of yourself within the storm of of everything going on and i don't think i was saying this to a mum the other day that i was working with it's not that we can't take advice or learn from other people or go that's a brilliant idea i'm going to try that but it's just having this kind of an anchor or a check-in point or something to go that's brilliant for you but that's 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 not going to work for me and that's okay for us all to be a little bit different rather than being oh my god she's doing that and she looks really happy i should be doing that yeah. or you know and just being pulled this way and that way and that way and just having some kind of something that you can come back to to go okay i'll try that for a while or you know that doesn't actually sit right and that's okay yeah. you know and it's just that inner inner confidence and I think, yeah, going into it, and we talk about this studying, looking at the matrescence thing as well, we're coming to motherhood 
with like generations on our shoulders of so much mm. ideas about who how we should <clears throat> excuse me please other people or um be a good mother or be a good wife but then on top of that now we have you know that we should be a successful woman yeah we should be we should be growing so like this yeah, 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 yeah this and thing. financially yeah. independent mm. and you know i certainly have all of that as well you know that we we need to stand on our own two feet and have society recognize us and be out there in the world and we can do as much as a man and all of this stuff that feminism brought to us you know that kind of second wave that came but now you know, but we also have to be a really good mother and we have to be at the school gates and we have to do the Halloween costumes and we have to do it's all of that. everything on top of everything, basically, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't yeah. to a degree. Yeah. So it's trying to, even just saying that, I think is quite, yeah. you know, um, empowering and just kind of recognizing that there's, there's stuff going on that is making you feel that way. And it's not just you in a room yeah. doing something wrong and not, enjoying motherhood the way you should be and then becoming pathologized by you know it's anxiety it's depression mm. it's yeah ibs it's whatever you know and so <clears throat> do, i don't know if we actually should have asked you before we started recording but uh, do you mind speaking about your own personal experience within that okay i do you do <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, this has been a great interview <laughs> but, no absolutely <laughs> brilliant you um so Vince's face is like uh, I, I'm not yeah. sure. Is oh, she can I ask? <laughs> uh, of course. Great. Sorry. But like when you when you uh, had your own birth experience, your first one, and you were kind of getting into that situation of, of <clears throat> being doulaed, mm. what like did you have? Did, were were you good at that? I don't know. Good isn't the right word, but like, did you have a strong sense of kind of you know a barometer internally to be able to kind of take stuff from, or like did how did you how did you learn and how was your journey with that? Um. With, there's two things within it. One in terms of having the the midwife, and uh, she would have been a midwife rather than a doula. Mm, they, sorry. They, but yeah, it's it's. But she really did form a lot of the the the, the role that a doula would do as well. But um, yeah, the way that she would do it would be here's some suggestions that you do grab onto for dear life, you know. Um, but it would be very much let's try this, or she would work with you rather than. So I guess I learned from her with that. But at the same time, you know, the, the one part that I, I guess is a big piece of the puzzle for me that's kind of fitting into place at the moment is I'm, I've been doing all this work postpartum and I had all of this support postpartum with the first two babies, but I still felt that kind of frustration. I felt angry. I felt that kind of split within me and, you know, this old me running PR companies and, you know, doing arts and launching festivals and da 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 da. Okay. And then you as a mother and, you know, how, how do you, how do you balance all of that? And how, what does that do to your relationship? And not knowing that this was a thing. So even within that postpartum support that I had in Germany there still wasn't that framework of saying this is bigger than just you recovering and being supported for 40 days and um, so I guess that part of it I, I didn't do, do too well with I guess okay. even um, and I'm only really getting my head around just okay. you know in the past year or two and your youngest son is now three, three well okay. three in November yeah, so okay. um, yeah it's 10 years nearly my eldest will be nine in December okay, so wow. it's nearly 10 years since falling pregnant um, it's a constant rediscovery though isn't it like we're not it's not like it you go like a to b to c i mean i'm not speaking from inside mother but as a human well, in terms of human, human evolution you know, we're you, all humans, yeah we you kind of you, you flip it's like two steps forward one step back and maybe it's not back but it's like in a different direction 
and also your needs are probably very different to what they were 10 years ago when you had your mm. first kids and your ideas about yourself and what yeah. you're like what you want and from life and, all yeah. that sort of stuff mm. and so so you didn't have a doula at all in Ireland yourself no and, and what what triggered the actual training then um I had a mental pregnancy and yeah talk and to us about the, this 12 so weeks in I hospital had, yeah, yeah I we were moving back to Ireland anyway whilst whilst pregnant and I started having heavy bleeding and things at around 16 weeks and then ended up in just a week after we had returned to Ireland from Germany in the rotunda in in hospital at I think it was 19 or 20 weeks uh, and there I stayed until 32 weeks oh, wow. um, where Jones when yeah <laughs> So I know it well. The, the good yeah. old <laughs> I bet you can find uh, the fire exits in the toilets at every yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where to get some extra bits of jam for your toast. And all that <laughs> thing. But um, yeah. So, and then he came two months early. He came at 32 weeks. So oh. there was all of that. He was very. He was fine. He he was a healthy baby when he was born. He was just small and needed some some supports. But I was very blessed with that. But you know. There was, I, I was back, I had no, there was some very lovely neighbours that we had, but I was away from family still and no support network around me as I would have had in Germany of friends, you know, around or, or whatever. Um, and there's a public health nurse who visits you once or twice and weighs the baby and mm. does her, Charged are you depressed, thing, are you suicidal? kind of scan and not so off you go there's no holding or and is it support. just like yes no answers is like what she's asking you uh, well I, they don't do the, a, a quiz with you unless i my understanding is unless they feel that you're in need of a, okay. a check but that's what they're there that's the kind of per you know that that's the that's the baseline yeah, you know yeah, yeah, are yeah. you there otherwise they're just you're you out there looking yeah. like, are you crying all the time okay. have you got dressed yeah okay. Okay, what yeah. does state is your house state in and you know they, that's that's what they're checking in on. There's no. So basically, how you're are you capable, managing. but you might also be suicidal and capable. Like that's yeah a thing. You know, a very lovely nurse who visited once or twice in the home, and then you would go out. But there was none. There was no support or system, as anyone who's listening in Ireland knows. You mm. know, there isn't that. Um, and it was a much more traumatic experience. The whole pregnancy. So you would have thought you would need more supports and more. And I just felt so different after it. I was much more anxious, I was much more wired, I was much more teary, it was kind of up and down with my emotions an awful lot more, really unsettled. Because, do you think that was because of the difficult pregnancy? Or did, I don't like, think the pregnancy, no. actually, no. I think it could have done with some processing of the journey of that, but no. I think it was the postpartum. Okay. I really do, you know, it was the minute the baby's born, it's up in an incubator, you've no rest, you're in and out, you're pumping, you've, you're mm. nowhere to sit, there's no home and in your bed and a wombly space well, and yeah. you know um which was a slightly more extreme experience than a lot of women might have but not that much further away from i think what a lot of people experience mm -hmm. after birth and i at least knew something else you know um so to answer your question with that journey i think i really just went okay what i had in germany was really important and oh my god and then talking to friends who would have babies and were feeling very similar to me and realizing there's so many women who are going through exactly what I've gone through really it's not just that I've had a kind of extraordinary experience and they don't know that it should be different they don't know that they mm -hmm. deserve support they don't know that this is a transition um, and they think there's something wrong with them mm. and that just yeah. So how, how recently did we lose doulas in Ireland? Do you reckon? Like, is it like if you go back a couple of hundred years, are we like, are, is there a community 
mothering approach like like is, mm. is, is the doula essentially a replacement for having a mother there who's kind of in your house with you like what like where do doulas go in Ireland where did they go I, I feel like we're that type of culture like we're so like we're so old for medicine like it's yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely us like we're very rootsy I, it's one I, I have so much information about so many cultures around the world and I find it so hard to find information out about what happened in Ireland as, as a support so if there's anybody listening who has access to that kind of or it's oral history mm. and it's the same as a lot of kind of you know um, work that women had done it wasn't written down it wasn't recorded in that way so um, I have one one friend who has actually lived in, Ber in, in Berlin but her grandmother was a midwife um, I would have birthed a huge amount of babies in the in the community so there were women who who worked in the community um, and you know cycling around on their bikes and delivering babies across the, the country um, right. the rotunda was called the lying in hospital originally so you oh. would lie in which is the kind of you know or confinement is what it was known in the kind of UK and Ireland um, Jesus I, I know yeah. which one of those I like yeah. <laughs> what? so confinement is what it was called mm. and so it would fit in slightly pre, um, you know when you end up kind of with the layer of church on it and everything you had to be churched before you were cleansed after so you had to stay in until a certain point and then you were i think it was called churched where you were you know a ceremony was performed or something that you could go back into into church um so that was confinement but lying in was you would go to hospital and you would lie in for for, for two weeks after birth uh, in the hospital so that was the original name i think it's written somewhere still in the return of the lying in um, and that's up until when was that happening? Um, well, I asked my, my mother-in-law um, had four children and she I said this on another podcast and she emailed, texted me to say I hadn't said it just right. Oh no, we're so about to make the same mistake again. Right <laughs> but I, I think with her, at least with one or two of her children anyway, for sure she went to a nursing home. Some of my husband's is mid forties. Mid will be kind. Mid forties, but he, um, he, her, she would have gone to uh, a nursing home for two weeks after the birth of each of her, or, or some of her children at least, oh, to rest. You know, and he's that's forty years ago. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I. I have very little information comparatively about Ireland. So and can we talk um, yeah. to, um, I'm really interested in because, you know, I would have grown up and gone to various different countries like Nepal mm. and India and Sri Lanka and mm. all Africa and loads of interesting places and lots of those places have traditions yeah. around this. And it's such an interesting thing, I think, to learn the different words they have for it and the yeah. different traditions. Can you speak into like a couple that you can think of from other yeah. countries? Um, so yeah, in Mexico they call it la cuarentena, which is has that kind of quarantine idea, but also the forty days. Cuarenta is, you know, I think that's oh, yeah, cuarenta yeah, is forty. Yeah. And um, so that's the forty days. Um, in Korea they call it Sam Chalil. My pronunciation of these is probably terrible, but so and again similar. Most of them are forty to forty-two days, no matter where you go. And um, so we had Wochenbed in Germany, and um, and then in in. Um, uh, in China, they called it a few things. They called it Zoyetsi, which is sitting out the month, or the golden month. And they also call it the gateway, which I love, mm. which is this kind of period of time where you, you kind of get to pause before you go into mm. the next chapter. Um, 
there's yeah lots of there's a beautiful um story i think that it's a tanzanian tribe it's a chagat tribe um, and there's a beautiful story of how they would the woman would stay in in uh, a tent or in the hut with um you know the, the elders and be supported for the 40 days and then she would come out uh, the door after the 40 days and be the first time that the, the community had seen her and the baby and she'd walk through the street and she'd be given a staff I think it was that were, and a, a cloak that were similar to those that a warrior um, would have oh, and they'd sing similar songs to ones they'd sing as a warrior coming home from battle and she'd walk through the the streets and her head would be shaved and adorned with stuff so you know there's all these these ideas of a rite of passage wow. and putting value and, and you know these these rituals were super important as well you know putting value on the journey and on what you've done uh, is a, a really important way of kind of processing it yeah as and well. marking it and yeah. so if we were to think about like the ideal postpartum mm. like so if you could say there's a prescription for like you come out mm. of either hospital or you've given birth at home and what are all the things like how would the dream way mm. be you know would <laughs> there be massage what food would there be mm. how would the support systems look like yeah well there's there's a few people now who talk about the five universal needs of every new mum um, and so they talk about the importance of touch so it's massage um, a lot of cultures would call massage the first exercise that a mum would do after birth. That's which great. I love. And I love yeah. it because I think now there's so, I mean, even just from, obviously my industry is also in exercise, you mm. know, yoga is now classified as exercise and, you know, so I get so many things on my social media that are exercise based. Mm. And there's just, you know, at least five a day on any one time that I switch into social media is like, here's my pre-pregnancy body and here's my postnatal body and mm. here's what I've done in my transformation over a six-week period or my 10-week period and you know they're wearing the same clothes before and the same pose pregnant and the same clothes after I don't want it I'll just <laughs> flick it on you <laughs> horrible um <laughs> find out people's true nature in a moment of panic. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pass it on. That's perfect. Um, um, yeah, and I think it just gives you, if you know, if you're a new mom and you're you're watching those, you're being bombarded mm. with those things, which inevitably you are because you're like up feeding a million times in the night and you're like on your phone trying to stay awake yeah. or whatever. The idea that you're going, oh God, like in six weeks I should look like that again. And mm. that's my exercise and here's your best routine and they're there with the kettlebells and the babies on the floor. You know, the idea that actually no massage, that's mm. the first exercise, is such yeah. an important message to yeah. receive. Yeah. It's like permission to go, no, no, you don't have to get into your cycling shorts yeah. and jump up and down. And maybe that's actually not the most helpful thing. No. Um, and also, you know, it is, it, it's, it's a lovely thing to be massaged, but it's mm. also, again, going back to the idea of the Germans and it being mm. really, you know, functional as well. It clears the lymph system. Mm. It clears all of that those hormones out of you that are kind of and you know if you've had any drugs in your system it helps your body you know that if you don't need those anymore it makes you feel like you're one person again mm. you know a lot of cultures talk about how open you have to be during birth you know the Ayurvedic um, 
you know, medicine would talk about, you know, you're very vata after birth because you've been so open mm -hmm. during birth. You're very yang in terms of Chinese medicine, which is very open and heat. And so you need to, to kind of pull yourself in again after birth and reseal everything. That's really um, interesting. Yeah. So in, so in Chinese medicine, they don't say that that yang kind of goes out with the baby. It kind of it's retained. Well, that you spend a lot Expended, of your yang because yeah. okay, 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 yang yeah, is you okay. know it's the male energy. Mm. It's the sunny side of the mountain. It's heat. It's mm, mm, mm. you know it's it's go. Yeah. Uh, and then yin is that kind of dark side. You know, shady mm. side of the mountain, and it's yeah. it's a lot kind of um, more stiller. Cooler so and you're kind of and, yeah, yeah, and internal. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's also because you expand all of that heat and, and energy, you need to, to, to really reseal gather yourself and in. gather yeah. it back in. Um, so, yeah. yeah, and then just, yeah, yeah, you know, there's lots of, of studies showing the importance of massage for kind of lowering anxiety levels and, you know, calming the, 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 the nervous system and all of that. Um, so, yeah, massage, you know, <laughs> if you're in a lot of, a lot of cultures, uh, which is very difficult for us to access is that massage every day mm -hmm. for a period of time. Mm. Um, but there are ways, you know, the, the course that I set up, the, the, the postpartum field guide, I have a resource area. And one of the things that I, I teach in it is a, an Ayurvedic self massage mm. that you can do for yourself every day before your shower or before you get in the bath or before you put on a belly bind or something. Um, to, to, to kind of calm everything down and your partner can do that for you and you know there are ways of accessing a level of it um, and yeah spend your money on massage yeah. rather than baby clothes yeah. <laughs> which is easier said than done yeah, I know. True it is, yeah. but you know yeah and, and so and within Ayurveda are there particular touch points postpartum that, that like what why does it why does it look different to other massage like what what's i'm sure it holds it some sort of amazing it doesn't really music. look that different it's a vata massage okay. you know it's so it's a abhyanga abhyanga abhigaria abhigaria i can read it i can spell it not good at saying that <laughs> but um yeah so it's it's starting at your head and and going down to your feet and and uh, um you know bringing everything down to the ground they say that you've an excess everybody you know within Ayurveda you've got different I'm sure you can talk about this a lot more than I can but different um dosha but with uh postpartum every woman has an excess of vata mm -hmm. so that's air and it's up and it's here and you need to to bring everything down so it starts at the head and moves to the toes okay. and it's that kind of long strokes and circular around the joints mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. using a warm oil um it makes yeah. sense as well because you're still bleeding at that mm. time as well and you're that downward forces, you know, that kind yeah, of clear all still that there, stuff out and clearing it and yeah. allowing it to move through you and to, you know, and just that kind of grounding back into like, mm. here's your, here's your place, mm, exactly. here's your home, this is mm. where you are, here are the important things is, is that down space, mm. isn't it? And not yeah. trying to get back into like, and now what next and how do mm. I move forward and what does the next few yeah. months look like, but trying to stay really in that present that, day, yeah. each moment thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, another area kind of within that which i'd love to i don't know how much you, you deal with nutrition and mm. food with postpartum yeah. as a postpartum do like what what do you recommend or like, i know it's going to be different in every person obviously mm. but are there particular foods and types of eating routines that work particularly well to help recover or? yeah i think um again ayurveda is really good ayurveda is really good on it um but again same thing looking at those five universal needs one of them is 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 warmth and uh, and also then good food mm. um and so the foods should always be warm mm. so again that same idea you know with chinese medicine that it's all very yin um, and you're, you've expended all of that warmth and you need to to 
draw it back into you. Mm. So everything should be warm. It should be warm teas, no ice water, um, you know, tap water or, or you know, um, room temperature water, uh, warm teas. Really, kind of treating you like you're you're recovering from an illness. That same type of soups, stews, yeah. broths, yeah. Uh, slow cooked foods. Um, and there's that thing with an Ayurveda which is always fascinating that people easily get confused by where heating foods are not necessarily heating for the body but heating yeah. foods can be cooling they have yes. that like febrifuge yeah. thing where you like you take cayenne and it encourages you to sweat so it yeah. actually cools the body down so yeah, yeah. it's a homeopathic kind of taking what you're yeah. trying to kind of yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. A, interesting yeah and oily they should okay, be yeah. oily in terms of high f good fats um, you know, we need to re replenish all of that that we've lost, and it helps us to heal as well. So, ghee is really important. Make make you know uh, your own if you can, or you know. Um, I've honestly like never made like, ghee. Yeah. It's so poor. It's very easy. It's, there's yeah. like nothing to it. It's no, just like it's boiling water essentially. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I, qu I quite like doing it. Go on. It. Yeah. Talk if us you just you. if you can, like, I can't find in Ireland. You can tell me. Yeah. Salt-free organic butter. We have it. Okay. Hops. Of course, you do. <laughs> right, I know. Shameless plug. <laughs> We're in. I'm sold. Deliver me Send a truckload. Perfect. But salt-free is is much better. Mm. And you just pop. I pop two packs into a pan, and you cook it really slowly. Um, and then you'll start to see these little um bubbles coming up. So it's all the air coming out of it. And there's a a kind of that um. Is it the whey, the curd, whatever it is on the top? Yeah, it's that like carbohydrate, to, so it turns yeah. into a pure fat. So you it? start kind of, you just spoon that to the side mm. as it goes, and you'll start to hear this kind of little fizzing noise. And you just keep an eye on that. Um, if you do it with a clear bottle, like a, I use a, the Creuset one, so you can see the color rather than mm. a dark pan, mm -hmm. you'll start to see it, the bubbles slowly uh, reduce and the the bottom of the pan starts to just kind of go a golden color okay. and the butter will clarify suddenly it'll become like oil at the beginning it'll be you know uh, murky yeah. um, and it'll suddenly become like a really golden oil nice it does sound like a meditation actually. yeah it's yeah. lovely nice, yeah. and you have to stay with it because mm. it'll burn like that otherwise yes. sometimes and then you just pour it through a muslin or a sieve or whatever um and allow it to cool and then i they say you don't need to keep it in the fridge but i do um, yeah, I think it's like the most moldy temperature set. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. That's different. Yeah. <laughs> okay, frigid is fine. Which is probably I haven't. Uh, it's getting all the impurities off. It's out. tricky that though. So I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's. We're not working yeah. in laboratories. We're in real life yeah. kitchens. So, yeah. I use my fridge. <laughs> but then you can put the the, the 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 stuff you take off the top or that gathers in the muslin into your porridge or whatever, and yeah. then you just put it on everything. You know, I okay. put it on porridge. I put it on rice. You put it. You know, add it to a soup. It just makes everything taste amazing. And, and do they use ghee? like externally as well in Ayurveda? Um, you might be able to answer that more than me. Actually, it's weird, I don't think I I've don't heard of it, which is, yeah, it just came into my mind. Like they I, use I feel sesame like oil a lot lots. for massage. Yeah, because it draws heat as well. Yeah. Sesame oil is great for that. I have to yeah. look into that, actually. I'm not sure. I have an amazing book um, called Almondized Lotus Feet, and it's um, different traditions from India um, oh. that they use and stories around those traditions and a lot of them are postpartum kind of stories and oh, rituals beautiful. and massages and yeah it's lovely yeah. it's a lovely book my mom bought it for me in India um, oh. but that's really nice I wonder I was it's a while since I've read it so I'll check back in and see if I can find out about mm. the, yeah put it up in a post afterwards yeah <laughs> tag me um, I, will, <laughs> I will tag you <laughs> um, so I just wanted to ask two things actually um, we always say like it takes a village 
mm. to look after you and to raise a baby. But what happens if you don't have a village? Mm. <laughs> what happens if you don't, like me, your family don't live in the country, your friends either haven't had babies or they live really far away from you, and you just don't actually have a support system around you? How do you find that support? Yeah, it's, it's one thing that it's one of the reasons that I set up the, the, the field guide and set, started Nua Nua was for that reason. You know, I didn't have that either. and. In an ideal world, you would just slot into this network and there mm. would be these kind of elders that would be passing down the knowledge to you and you would just be there. But that's not the reality and we live... Yes. Uh, mm. We're working on it. <laughs> uh, you know, we live in these little capsules, I think, to, to a large degree. So I think the first thing is, as you know, if you're pregnant and starting to be aware of that is to start you you have to build it you have mm. to put the legwork in i think right now it's not going to come to you unfortunately um so you know there is you know i think one thing that we're really bad at or i am anyway and a lot of other women i've worked with struggle with it is asking for help and showing you're vulnerable and being open in those networks and and connections but you know starting to, to meet other mums who are in the same boat and saying right let's start with food i think food is always a great place to start with any of this stuff um i'm a big advocate of setting up cooking circles with new mo um, other pregnant mums so uh, some of the people who did my training course made me so happy they're all living nearby to each other so they did this food swap so, you know, you cook a batch of, of you know, dinner for, for 10 and divide it up and there's four other people and then you all meet and swap and suddenly you've got Great. five dinners for your freezer. Great. And you've so had a nice good. time with four other women. It's, it, it makes so much and sense. Like, it's it, like, you'd think it'd just be happening. You'd think Netflix would be redundant to this day yeah. you and those sorts of ideas around, wouldn't you? It's, it's so simple. Um, but people are embarrassed about saying those things. But you, I think you yeah. do have to kind of embolden yourself and go, I'm just going to ask one other person and see if they know somebody else yeah. and start with two people and do that swap and you know um find a class that you feel good going to and talk to the other mums um and do start building your village that way mm -hmm. um and then things you know that you should just be there in the system that aren't but talk to a talk to a lactation consultant before you give birth and say hi you know can I have a coffee with you find out what you do have your number on speed dial so that you have those people mm. later um, some of these things cost money so it does depend on, on budgets but um, if you if you do if you don't have that that group of people around you I, I think you you do have to be a little bit brave about building it and mm getting the message out to mums that you're going to need a lot of support after birth mm -hmm. and do it now. You know, there's some, some, I can't remember where I heard this or who, what culture or who, who was who says it, but they say that the third trimester, there's very little emphasis put on the importance of it in terms of the mm -hmm. mother. Mm -hmm. It's all about preparing for your fourth trimester. Like that's what mm -hmm. it's there for, you know? So you're starting with that nesting feeling. So go with it. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, yeah. when people do all those things horrendously early, mm. you know, like, like buying nappies when they're like, you know, whatever, 12 weeks pregnant, that sort yeah. of like, just let that happen. And well, yeah, you know, um, but it's, I think the, the focus can be on... Sometimes in more panic mode, purchasing stuff. Panic, yeah, okay. no, but the, no, but the emphasis can be on, on getting the buggy and doing the nursery and doing all of that stuff and your baby's just going to sleep on you, really, yeah. and put the emphasis, effort into, you know, okay, I'm going to spend that bit of money that somebody gave me on um, 
a massage therapist who's going to mm. come in and visit me once a week for two weeks or you know if such a thing I never had any but if you're having a baby shower say actually what I'd really love is a voucher for the hot sack but you know for some great yes you <laughs> all want that right <laughs> but no but somewhere is that yeah, does yeah. or a really good butcher so that yeah. you can do bone broths mm. or you know things that you actually are going to really get something out of as a yes. mum um or for a postpartum doula to come in and see you for the first few days or for a cleaner you know and that's what those bits of budget can it's be spent amazing on. isn't it though yeah. that we in pregnancy we all really applaud women who are going regularly for massages and craniosacral and osteopath and pregnancy mm. yoga and pregnancy pilates and active birth and we're all going brilliant do it and then suddenly postnatally it's just like you're seen as you're being kind of selfish or selfish or yeah. I don't know extravagant if you're suddenly like right I've given birth and now I need to go and see all these people for me not not go to every single baby group yeah. for the baby but I think as well it is really overwhelming after birth to to organize any of that but also to get to an appointment mm -hmm. with an osteopath like that can be just a bridge too you far want them coming in your home. and you want people <laughs> yeah. you don't want to be going anywhere and you don't want to be thinking about the organizing of it either because any mum I deal with who's given birth it's, and your brain shouldn't be working on that level. Mm. That's that's a whole other podcast. But mm. your brain shouldn't be working on that level because it's that's suppressing all of the oxytocin and all of mm. those mm. hormones that you want to be working. So you should be totally free of all of that. So if you have all of that set up and you just say to your partner, whoever, can you organise a massage yeah. this week at a time that we think the baby might be okay for an hour, you know. Um, that the pressure is also off rather than it being another mm. thing on a, on a list. Yeah, that's learning to trust others outside yourself to do the things is tricky as well. Yeah. If you're not used to that as well, isn't yeah, it? I, yeah, that's another huge thing is, mm. is handing over that control for a little while um, and and being okay. For a little while, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well it's not forever. <laughs> <laughs> well caught. Sorry. Just to, just to finish. Yeah. Um, I'd love it if you could just talk through Nua Nua and mm. why you chose the name and then what it looks like. So for the mums who've been listening who are going, well, actually, all this stuff sounds really lovely, but I kind of feel like I don't know how to do it on my own. Yeah. What is it that you've set up and how yeah. can people access it and what is it going to look like? Yeah. Um, well, it's an it's a ever-evolving thing, which is really exciting. But Nua Nua, Nua in Irish means new. Um, and so I loved I love the shape and sound of the word, but also the fact that it was from Irish, which is such an ancient language, and that idea of creating something new for women. So it's not just taking these traditions and shoehorning them into our lives now, but how we can take these ancient things and, and create a new way of, of mothering the mother, essentially. Um, and then people keep sending me messages saying, did you know that Nua comes from Noah, which means, you know, what is it that it means in, 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 in Hebrew? Uh, rest oh. and you know there's all these and in Portuguese it means something else the word new so there's Great. these lovely things I didn't even know these synergies and um, so yeah it's for expectant mothers um, I've devised this six part module uh, course called the, the postpartum field guide that takes you through a lot of what we've been talking about and understanding what's happening in your body um, postpartum um, in terms of the hormones and oxytocin and what you need to do to support that um, and then marrying that with a, a really detailed look at um, the tra traditions around the world and those five universal needs and how actually science and all of these traditions just sit beautifully hand in hand um, and how much it's a, a, an important birthright for you to do that. 
uh, and then we get into a really a module called gather and we go through a really kind of um, a planning mode I guess looking at what you need to do for yourself and to gather your village and we go through a lot of stuff answering your question and then you and your partner and what might change for you guys and how you can support each other in that and have some space and then your environment uh, as well we look at nutrition and there's a 60 page recipe book uh, as well and we talk through the stages of the 40 days after birth um, and then um, there's resources, there's a, a restorative yoga, there's a yoga nidra, um, my husband's a composer so he's done lovely music behind it wow. and uh, yeah, a few other resources as well. So that's if you're expecting um, and then I'm about to launch because I had lots of mothers who've had their babies and were desperate looking for something who took the course anyway. Uh, which was wonderful and um, we had a live component to it as well so you can buy the course all the time but then we do live versions where we have right. you know people coming Meet on and talking okay. and we have zoom calls and we have extra bonus stuff but the, that's what those new new mothers really got so much out of with these live calls yes. in the middle of the pandemic uh, so we're, I'm launching an online mother circle so right. it'll be nice. every sec two weeks we'll meet online talk share um, and support each other and you'll get access to all of those resources from the field guide as well so the massage and the recipe book and everything so oh it yeah. sounds so nice I really like it it's funny because you know this was my world I mean I you know I'd worked in birth and pregnancy and okay. kids for such a long time yeah. before I was pregnant right. and even with that mm. it would have been such a huge benefit because there's so many holes that you miss out on mm. and things that you kind of think that you've covered but maybe you haven't looked at the right way mm. or you've just kind of looked at it from what or you think well I kind of know that thing so I probably don't need to analyze that or you mm. assume Mm. especially stuff with your partner there's you know you've talked around loads of the different ideas but you maybe haven't asked specific questions around like well what do you see my role being you mm. know and how do you see you, yourself helping me or how do you see me in terms of who's going to be working and who's mm. going to be doing what and those mm. questions are so important to ask before you're in mm. the moment yeah. of having to deal with them because then it's emotionally fraught and yeah. charged and it's harder yeah, it's to a, have those it's an argument rather than yeah. a conversation <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but even if you don't have the answers to them and this is what i say in the course as well like it's a, there's a lot of questions that i ask and i said mm. just ask the questions with each other and then yeah. Even if you don't have the answer, yes. you know that that's something that may, you know, occur or that mm. you might need to yeah. continue the conversation. But if it just is this new thing yeah. in the middle of nappies and no sleep and all of the other that's stuff we much. talked about, it's, yeah. it's too much. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, yeah, it's just and also I think when you have a question about something, just saying it out loud um, can be, you know, with to somebody who's listening and also i was just so amazed by the other mums or the other mums to be and their responses you know yes. i was kind of go that's a really good answer you know you yeah. don't need me at all here Brilliant. it's just people sharing yeah, there's wisdom there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. everybody has it and then yeah. everyone comes away feeling great realizing that they know more than they thought that they totally. knew and that they've got more to give and then also going ah but if i ask there are answers mm. and you're in the same boat even if yeah. there's no answer just go okay there's yeah. four other women with the same experience right yeah. now yeah. yeah because that isolation is such a key factor mm. isn't it of feeling like i'm the only one yeah that's like this and that makes you feel like you're doing much worse yeah that everything's wrong and like yeah. you said that these you know you kind of go into this searching should i be depressed you know should yeah. i be all of these things naturally when you speak to it 
with other mums and you're like, oh, we, we all feel this, oh, we all struggle with this. You're like, oh, well, this is normal then. Mm. Okay, so it doesn't make the thing easier, but yeah. it makes our perception of that thing yes. easier, which is all it needs sometimes to make that shift between yeah. being depressed and being challenged. Yeah. You know? And those things are very different. Yeah. Dr. Ethan, who d has developed the whole idea of mat matrescence, says that words create worlds. So if you have a framework mm. for something, you know, you have a way of acknowledging mm. it and, and processing it. Um, so that's exactly, you know, what that is. It's, you know, it doesn't fix it, but it just it gives you a context for it, which is really important, I think. This was that's lovely. Cool. Really lovely show, yeah. oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank I you. Think, you know, we'll wrap it up before we just slowly move into your house and yeah, live in, know, this, yeah. <laughs> in this beautiful area here, <laughs> where we're now going to host all our workshops from now on. Yeah, brilliant. So done. If you would like to come here too. Loads of room for tents. Oh, come back. on. Mm. Oh, my God. Exciting. Okay, um, so if people want to find Nuanua, you are online at nuanua.com, nuanua.com, or Nuanua online on Instagram. I have a lot of stuff up there as well, so that might be a good place to start. Brilliant. And if you guys have any questions and you want us to send them to Layla, you can by all means message us on any of our platforms mm -hmm. and please like and subscribe please like and subscribe we need likes and subscribers we're doing a good thing aren't we we're yes. trying and review We've got lovely people on review is yeah. a really important one as well which mm. we never say yeah but yeah. just to have a couple of lines if, if a thought came up after a podcast or you liked it just to write a couple of lines makes a real difference in us being able to get this information yeah. to people who need to hear it and that's what's really important for us yes and one last question have a look at our request. Um, our sponsors, Clear Light Saunas. Anybody wants an infrared sauna? The space here. Um, <laughs> have you got a sauna? Plan down here, so. Let's talk. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, New Zest Nutrition, who are the producers of the finest uh, vegan protein in the land that we've ever come across, and we both use it, use it lots. Um, and also Swivel, the thing that we're recording this lovely podcast on. And so if you want a robot that can come and record with you and do education with you and share all your stuff on the cloud um, go and talk to them or come and talk to us before talking to them and then we'll give you lots of little codes and you can get discounts from all them too all righty thank you for watching everybody Great. and we thank will you. see you again thank soon you. bye Great. bye well Perfect. done thank Very you good. magic magic <laughs>